Welcome to another edition of the Journal Podcast. This week we are joined by Amanda Sorin, owner, founder and operator of Wild Eve. Wild Eve is a non-alcoholic distillery based in the Isle of Harris, which looks to create gorgeous and unique alternatives to traditional low and no alcohol spirits. In our conversation, we discuss the natural plant life used for the drinks, as well as the sustainable approaches Wild Eve takes to ensure minimal disruption to the island's natural habitat. We also discuss Amanda's background in distilling and whether she faces any particular challenges with being a woman in the industry. Hang around until the end of the podcast to find out Amanda's particular favourite Wild Eve cocktail recipe. Amanda, thank you so much for, for joining us today. So I guess first and foremost for our listeners, tell us what Wild Eve is. Okay, so Wild Eve is a non-alcoholic drink. So at this point, half your listeners will go, oh, well, I'm not very interested in that then. <laughs> to pull you back, it is actually interesting. So basically, um, I'm not a drinker. Um, I'm hopeless with alcohol, have been forever. And I just got so bored of going into pubs, bars, and what do you drink? Um, elderflower cordial. Ooh, that's great. Orange juice, apple juice. You know, it's just so limited. And I know now there are a whole swathe of non-alcoholic drinks that are coming through, so kind of spirit imitators and, and other things as well, and that's very exciting. But what I wanted to create was something that had the kind of complexity and length and heat of, of an alcoholic drink. And I've been working with plants for 35 years, and I'm also a distiller. And uh, I just thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this myself. So I spent four years working on this drink, actually, which is a long time of uh, perfecting. And the other thing that I wanted to achieve with it was that same feeling of being chilled. You know, when you've had a drink and you just feel relaxed. I yeah. thought, I really want to kind of introduce that. So... I started playing around with all different kinds of herbs and plants, um, some which are adaptogenic, which means that they, they're stress busters. They kind of make you feel relaxed. Um, and then in the end, I kind of brought it all together in one drink, and that's Wild Eve. Right. So it's, it's more than just a, a spirit imitator, as you say. It's, it's, yeah. you're, you're also trying to get some of the, the physical qualities that you can get from alcohol and replicate that in a, in a non-alcoholic beverage. Exactly. I mean, I think what's really interesting is um, I'm not a fan of spirit imitators. So mm. there are a whole swathe of uh, pretend gins, pretend rums, which have had the alcohol taken out of them or have not been made with alcohol. Right. That's pointless, isn't it? I mean, it's just pointless. If you're going to have gin, drink gin. If you're not going to drink, drink something that tastes fantastic and is completely different. The thing about gin, I know a lot about gin because I, I work with a distillery here, uh, the Isle of Harris Distillery, is yeah. um, alcohol extracts things from plant matter really brilliantly, beautifully. And from that extraction, you get gin. If you put those same botanicals into water, it extracts completely differently. So you don't get the same flavor profile. You never can. So there's absolutely no point. <laughs> no point. So um, th I think that's why I kind of came around to thinking, let's just do something really, really exciting instead. And that's what I did. You mentioned a little bit about your sort of background. You know, you've you've experienced working with distillers and you've experienced working with plants. What was your sort of career background before deciding to, to start Wild E? Well, um, I have a rather wonderful background. 
it's been a long and meandering path with, with plants at the heart of it. So uh, I mean, my degree is in law. How mad is that? But it is. Um, right. And I've done um, I've done teaching and I've done um, ceramics I did for quite a long time. Actually, I really love doing that. Um, and then I worked as a homeopath and a herbalist and I still do I still do really not I don't see patients formally anymore but once you once you've explored the therapeutics of plants you never quite walk away from it 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 um it's the most lovely thing to kind of carry with you and then I was approached by um the kind of the epicenter of green beauty a company called content beauty down in London in Marylebone and they asked me if the therapeutic balms and things I'd been making for my patients, if I would kind of enter the beauty industry, which is frankly hilarious. Um, so I joined the beauty industry <laughs> um, with actually a, a kind of agenda of this whole anti-aging thing is all nonsense anyway, and I don't believe it's just about healthy skin, which is a which is a strange kind of entrance into the beauty world, which is all about kind of anti-aging and. Yeah you know, retaining your youthfulness. And I don't care about that. I think that's rubbish. I think you just should have really healthy skin. So um, so I've, I've kind of, I have a company called Airs Apothecary and, and that company is all about healthy skin, um, but happens to be in the beauty industry. It's, it's like a kind of pleasant accident. Um, <laughs> and then I've been working with the Isle of Harris Distillery and Brighton Gin and uh, Tidal Rum and so I make special, beautiful things uh, for them, beautiful drinks for them. Um, and those obviously do have alcohol in. I'm not opposed to it. I just sure. drink it. Yeah, quite a, a storied background then. So you've touched on pretty much every industry that the fans <laughs> <laughs> can, uh, can get involved with. And yeah, you mentioned yeah. there as well, you, you know, particularly the Isle of Harris that you'd mentioned there, uh, you know, for us, the Scottish islands have traditionally always been associated with whiskey distillery. You know, there's right. whiskey production. In recent years, you know, you've mentioned there as well about gin. There's Isle of Harris, Barra and things like this. There's a lot yeah. of um, gin production going on as well. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much does the Isle of Harris inspire the Wild Eve brand and the product itself? Hugely. I mean, actually, I think I can say quite honestly that, that Wild Eve was formed in, in the Isle of Harris. So before I was living here, I'd started working on it, but couldn't get it quite right. There was something not quite right about it. And then when I moved up here, I suddenly realised what it was. And it is that in Harris, there are the most extraordinary range of botanicals. I mean, amazing range of botanicals in the sea and on the land. Nothing has polluted it, nothing to interfere with it. And um, so for me as a maker, I mean, it's like a dream. I can literally walk out of my front door and and I'm in plants, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is fantastic. So I think the thing about gin is, of course, 90% of the botanicals are not from the island. Of course, they're not. So, um, you know, orange peel doesn't grow here and what else? Mm. Uh, orange root doesn't and so on and so forth. So when you're making a gin here, what you're concentrating on is a single botanical that you can use to, to pin it to this place. Wild Eve is different because actually about 50% of our plants are from this place. So maybe more actually. That's really important because I could take you on a walk from here and I could literally point to the plants that I pick that go into the drink. So it is it's made of Harris. It's not just made in Harris. And I, I really love that. And I love the fact that we use um, 
kelp from the sea as well. So it's from, you know, the mountain and the macha and the sea. It, it's utterly situated in this place. Was it the case then that you had the sort of recipe and idea first and then explored different places in the UK in order to find these botanicals? Or was the, was the inspiration directly taken from Harris, you realising that Harris had all these um, ingredients, I guess, and then putting that together? Yeah, so I had started it uh, when I lived down in Sussex and I had thought of a, a vague recipe and I was kind of building the recipe. It has quite a lot of roses in um, the, the Wild Eve and so we were growing 250 roses in, in Sussex. But when I came up to Harris, I realised that there are a huge amount of wild roses here um, and the scent, I mean, I don't know if you smelt the wild roses on Harris, but my goodness, you can smell them from halfway up the road. And I thought, <laughs> oh, I need these ones. These are the ones that I need. So it's not just about a plant. It's about the variety of that plant. So there are millions of different roses, but the Rosa rugosa that grows here, especially in this terroir with, uh, you know, the salt and the sea and all of that stuff, it really influences the flavour and it makes a huge difference to the finished drink. So, so yes, I knew about it before I came here, quite a lot of the recipe. But then when I got here, I thought, ha-ha, now I can really, really do this properly, yeah. properly. <laughs> so, Amanda, you mentioned that you were uh, growing your own plants for Wild Eve uh, um, when, when it initially started down in Sussex. Um, but now, being up in Harris, you're, you're picking up some of the wild plants uh, from the island. How are you ensuring sustainability on the islands? And how are you giving back the, some of the botanicals that you're that you're taking away? Okay, that's actually a really, really important question. So virtually every business um, goes for growth. Growth is the, the key. You grow, you grow, you grow, you sell, 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 more, 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 more. And, and then we measure success by how large the business has grown and how much they're selling. Right, I don't think that's right. Um, I actually think what's right is almost the opposite of that, where you say, what is sufficient? So there's a whole idea of green growth or no growth um, that, that's kind of coming to the fore a bit more. And, and I'm a real advocate of that. So what we did was we said, how many bottles would we need to sell to make this a sustainable business without actually affecting the delicate eco uh, system of, of the Isle of Harris? And we decided that we could make 10,000 bottles. So we've capped it. So every year we'll only make 10,000 bottles. If we have uh, people wanting to buy beyond that, that's tough. We've decided on 10,000 bottles. And that felt very, very important to me because things like the sugar kelp that we're using, we have a diver who dives for that for us. And we don't want to strip the kelp forest. That would be a disaster. Um, apart from the fact that, um, you know, they sequestrate carbon from the atmosphere, uh, it would ups it could have the potential to upset the the um, aqua system of the, of the sea around here. So we've capped it partly for that reason. Also, the plants that we pick, uh, there is a basic rule that I've always stuck to, which is you never pick more than a fifth of the plants in one area. You never take the roots. And it must be that someone who visits it immediately after we've picked wouldn't even know that we've been here. So that means we pick from a number of different sites just to make sure that we don't undermine any one area. So then on top of that, I then had built, which has just been completed, a 24 metre by 8 metre greenhouse. In that, we can grow 
masses and masses of plants that we need for Wild Eve, as well as the ones that we already grow up on the croft. Growing on the croft is hard because um, the plants have to be able to withstand winds of, you know, like up to 80 miles an hour. <laughs> Which is a challenge. I mean, gardening and there's a challenge standing up in that, let alone growing. So we needed to create a space that was completely enclosed and secure um, and cemented in so that we could, um, again, minimise our impact on, uh, on the plant life out there. Because apart from anything else, there's things like um, bees. Up here, there are some bees that you don't find anywhere else. They're really rare. Um, so you don't want to go picking all their forage. So again, this is another reason why we have the poly, the, the greenhouse. So we can just grow like the blazers in there, which is very, very exciting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's uh, it's really interesting that actually, yeah, like you said, it, it's almost uh, not so much artificial because you are still growing natural flowers down in Sussex, you know, you're growing the roses, but you're, yeah, you, there's nothing quite like that. The wildness that comes from just, like you say, that untouched beauty and on the islands yeah and i think there's something that that we forget about we think about it a lot in terms of wine we talk about terroir with wine so we say that you know grapes that come from a particular region will have a particular taste profile and it'll be different to the same grape grown somewhere else we never think about that in terms of general plants but actually it's exactly the same so for example um in sussex we grew meadowsweet beautiful plant and it would grow about I don't know four foot high fluffy white head very lovely taste quite slim stems and then when I came up to Harris um, of course there's masses of meadowsweet but it's like a completely different plant because it only grows about two foot high because there's massively high winds and it has much thicker stems than the stuff in Sussex and it tastes different definitely it's the same plant but the nuances between the Sussex one and the one here are really marked. And so what I realized is that if you grow the plants here, so chamomile, for example, isn't a native to Harris, but we grow it here for the drink. Um, oats we grow here for the drink. Um, they'll have a different flavor to that same plant that's grown anywhere else in the world, mainly because the soil here is completely different. And the where I live is... Um, We've got the sea on one side, we've got the sea on the other side. It's like a little peninsula. Um, and so that that maritime uh, influence is huge here because we have so much wind, so much salt in the air, um, and the ground is so acidic. The soil is so acidic. So it's same plant, different taste. Now, that was a very long explanation, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, that's what we want. That's what we want. when you get bored and all. Oh, not at all, not at all. It's amazing, like you say, because it's a non-alcoholic drink. You know, if someone was on talking about gin or rum or whiskey or whatever, you're, you're like, yeah, you would expect this kind of explanation. You'd expect this much depth. It's really interesting to hear that that same uh, amount of, as I say, that same depth is being put into something that is non-alcoholic. It shows that it really is uh, a competitor for the, you know, for these spirits. Um, and it sort of leads me on to my next question as well. So you'd mentioned, you know, that your sort of inspiration for starting the brand comes from yourself, you know, not necessarily being a drinker and looking for, you know, really strong alternatives to, to booze. At this time of year, so this is obviously, this is recorded in January, uh, you know, it's a time for resolutions and of course, dry January, which a lot of people are taking part in. How important is this for a business like Wild E? Okay, well, I'd kind of turn that round and say, 
don't you think it's weird that we have to have a month called dry January when we all choose to drink non-alcoholic drinks? Why, why aren't we drinking them in February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December? Um, you know, it's, what is it? I was talking to someone about sober October and he, I said to him, oh, and the sober October, and he said, yes. And then what is it? Uh, something November? Uh, no memory November or something. And I thought, yes. What I think we have to do is is actually stop talking about um, this differentiation between alcoholic and non-alcoholic. There are certain reasons why you might want a non-alcoholic drink, you know, maybe if you're pregnant or you're driving, whatever. But but why don't we just say it doesn't matter? Actually, it's the quality of the drink. I really like the idea that people go into a bar and choose to drink Wild Eve because it tastes great, not because it's non-alcoholic. And I think that there needs to be a, a real change in terms of the the dialectic around alcohol and non-alcohol. It, it's uh, it, it feels like it's a kind of polarizing discussion, and that that's wrong. It shouldn't be. It should be. I want to go out and taste something, uh, drink something that tastes really great. I want a really exciting cocktail, so I'm going to choose Wild Eve. And that's brilliant, isn't it? It should be the same as as I'm going to go out and get a, a, a gin cocktail, get a Wild Eve cocktail. And yeah. so on menus, what drives me insane is where it says mocktail. And I just want to get a big pen and scratch it out and go, no, it's not about mock. It's about different. Yeah. You've got a different tale. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I, think, I think we just have to stop that, that, um, that, that polarizing discussion because actually in truth there is a huge problem with alcohol um with the amount of alcohol that's drunk especially in the you know in the western Isles, there's a lot of problems with alcohol here so if you attach uh, a certain um perception to non-alcoholic as being lesser somehow that's just a real mistake i think it's a really big mistake and i think people should be expecting of non-alcoholic drinks the same complexity and interest of flavor that you'd have with an alcoholic drink, then you don't need to make that differentiation. So in short, yes, dry January, we said we're selling well in dry January, hurrah. But actually, I think it's, I think it's limiting. I think that we can do something so much more interesting than that in terms of rejigging that conversation. It's, it's a really interesting point, actually, especially the polarizing one. So what you're describing there you know, there's a personal achievement for people managing, say, to go the month of January without having a drink, and that's fantastic. But mm-hmm. an equal achievement might be on a night out, instead of having five cocktails in a row, you have, you, you like you say, you split it up with a non-alcoholic one in between, or, you know, you enjoy something a little bit different on a night out, like, throughout the year, as opposed yeah. to going cold turkey for one month. It's, yeah. it's a different sense of achievement, and you're right, it stops. Because just now, I feel, you know, with the, the, the spirit replacements that you were talking about earlier and um, the ones that are trying to mimic the taste and you know are calling themselves non-alcoholic gins and things like that mm-hmm. they're never going to live up to the real thing because no, they, they, they can't because they can't yeah so if you try and replace it with that it's, yeah it's never going to have the same psychological impact so rather than that you just replace it with something completely different like why yeah. leave like you say yeah, yeah. um Another question, just to sort of veer off from where we've been discussing there, um, a bit more about your, you know, yourself and your background and, and breaking into this industry. Um, you know, distillery work from generations gone by is one that you might associate more with a sort of male-dominated space. 
Um, how welcoming have you found it as a female business owner in this space? And are there any particular challenges you've found? So um, I've been distilling a long time. But what's interesting about my distilling is I learned to distill in Cyprus. Um, I used to live in Cyprus. And um, I was trained by uh, this fantastic woman, a herbalist and a Sufi, uh, brilliant, called Mariam Khan. And she taught me how to distill uh, orange blossom aromatic water. So no alcohol, it's a water distillation. Um, and we used a very old fashioned pot-bellied still. So the kind that were used um, in Persia, it's a kind of Persian still. And when I smelt that for the first time, the orange blossom aromatic water, I just couldn't believe how incredible it was. And so I started not with alcohol, but with water. And that's actually been a huge advantage when it's come to Wild Eve and all other drinks-based things, because my training actually is not in alcohol distillation, it's in water distillation. Although, of course, I can distill alcohol, um, same principle. So I think um, I've been pretty much accepted because, um, because actually I don't think people find me a threat. Because generally I'm distilling in water rather than alcohol, it, it, it somehow isn't quite as threatening as if I was distilling in alcohol. <laughs> so I've been I've been pretty much welcomed. And of course, I work with Brighton Gin and Brighton Gin are um, uh, strongly a women team. It's a women led brand. Um, and so, of course, they're incredibly welcome with what I do because it's another woman doing the same thing. And there are increasing numbers of, of women distillers. And I think that we are, I think we're starting to turn the tables, actually. Um, and and I think we often have quite a different way of approaching distilling and plants. Um, so with, with the way that I distill, for example, um, if there's a plant that I'm using, say lavender, for example, um, I'll pick it at the start of the season and the middle and the end of the season, and it will taste completely different to each of those points. So I think what's happening is, as a woman distiller and as a woman plant worker, where I'm slowly beginning to explain to some of the male distillers the nuances of plant work, which is something that they're not at all familiar with. Uh, and that's very exciting. So I, I think, yeah, it's good. I've been welcomed and, you know, I do my own thing and I think they think I'm a witch, but it's fine. I'm all good with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess then, following on from that then, that's, I mean, that's really interesting and great to hear that there is no, you know, there's no, say, traditional aspects still coming through, you know, there's no um, judgment on that side. Um, do you feel there's a different uh, approach and, and view taken then because you've come from a background where you're not traditionally distilling an alcohol? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I do think that actually. And also, um, I'm you know, I'm in my late 50s. It, you'd have to be a brave man to take me on. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm an ardent feminist. You'd, you'd struggle. So people just tend to not, and that's fine. <laughs> Alyssa, it's fantastic to hear and really good to hear as well. Like you say, that there's a there's a, a shift in tide within the industry as well. It's uh, yeah, it can only, it can only make for, for more interesting drinks to come out of it, I guess. You know, I think so. Yeah, more diversity in any industry is going to, you know, influence it positively. Yeah. And in fact, we've taken on, um, I've taken on a, a, a young woman who's brilliant. 
Anna, and she's doing a, a distillation um, apprenticeship with me. So I really like the idea that I can start to bring on uh, young women um, and train them in the way that I've been trained with the kind of eye that I've got for for, for plants and drinks. Um, and that's really thrilling, actually. That's, yeah, really, really good to hear. Um, how big is the team just now at, at Wild Eve? At Wild Eve, it's actually very small. There's about... Um, five of us there's about five of us so it's very small it's very (laughs) hands-on but you see up here um what I've done is um we have Wild Eve and then I have another business called Temple Harris and that's Hmm. a deli and a bakery and I have a coffee roasting business um as well um and so I have people employed in all of those and what happens is when it comes to harvest time um and something needs picking, like everybody just downs tools and we all run out the building. So, you know, although there might be four or five dedicated to Wild Eve, there are about 10 in total. So that's quite a lot of picking hands. And and I really like the idea that that nobody just does one thing. I like it that everybody does everything. So um, that means when it comes to picking, we just have great days out. It's really fun. <laughs> This is uh, sounding like a recruitment drive now. You're like, yeah, no, 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 I can't. More no, no more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for yourself, Amanda, have there been any particular highlights in uh, the Wild Eve story so far? Well, um, I mean, what I think has been really amazing is how well it's been taken up. I've been shocked by that. So, we only launched it in, I think it was August last year. Um, and Alex Polizzi from the Polizzi Collection of Hotels, she immediately um, bought it and has been brilliant on social media and has been talking about it. And I'm really touched by that, actually. It's been great. And then Tom Kitchen has got it in the kitchen in Leith there. And uh, Kat Barker, who's the um, head of the bar there, she's been absolutely brilliant. And they've come up with cocktails and um, serves that are really beautiful and so the highs have been just how well received it's been and we've had lots of coverage in the press and oh it's been really nice actually surprising you know I'm on this tiny island in the middle of nowhere <laughs> but we've but we've got some really 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 nice coverage yeah no, and, and moving on from that then as well you mentioned that you know some of the, the bars that you're in are experiment with new cocktails with Wild Eve do you uh, obviously you're you know you're not I'll I'll refrain from using the word mocktail obviously but um you better had yeah for yourself (laughs) what is your what's your personal favorite cocktail to make with Wild the one that they do at uh the Star Hotel in Alfriston I really like so that is 25 mils Wild Eve 25 mils cloudy apple juice topped up with soda delicious really simple totally scrumptious That's my favourite. Thank you to Amanda for joining and to you for listening. Listen to our previous episodes of The Journal Podcast for more insights and interesting discussions with independent business owners. Head on over to journalmagazine.co.uk forward slash listen.